Today on episode number 590 of the School of Podcasting, we have a really cool Because of My Podcast story. We're talking woodshedding with Steven Spielberg. We're going to talk about the best compliment a podcaster can receive, my first impression of Squarespace, along with a quick tip of how to speed up podcast production on a PC, and a 13-year-old Dave Jackson playing Ted Nugent. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I'm your very own award-winning personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I'm going to bring my bachelor's degree in education, specializing in technical education, 20 years of helping people understand technology, and I'm going to help you massage your message. I'm going to help you tackle that technology, face your fears, flatten the learning curve, and get you on the road to not just podcasting, because you can go watch a bunch of old, outdated YouTube and uh, you know, kind of throw up a podcast. We're going to get you going in the right direction. The website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, and that will save you on your first month. Well, I always like to start off the show with what I call a because of my podcast story. If you can answer that question, then that's it. If you can answer the, you know, just finish the sentence. Because of my podcast, blank. And it's something that you would have been able to do Except, well, because of your podcast, send it on in. Go out to schoolpodcasting.com slash contact. You can find all the different ways to contact me. And last Saturday, I had Troy Heinrichs from the Blacklist Exposed and the Green Bay Packers podcast. And uh, Troy's been on the show before. He's had many fun things around the Blacklist Exposed podcast, which is about the TV show, oddly enough, The Blacklist. And check this out. We got a call from Sony and we're being invited as press to go to the filming of the 100th episode of The Blacklist in New York. That's cool. So you've gone from, uh, let's see, I know you've been in John Bokenkamp's office. Correct. Um, you, you've been, you flew, what, to California to record some sort of fan thing. And now you're actually going to get to go watch them film an episode? Correct. That's cool. Can you be like an extra? That would be cool. That, that's our hope. We're hoping that, you know, enough of our cast friends that we've interviewed, yeah. like they, they know we're coming. So they're like, hey, let's just bring them into the shot. That yeah. would be fantastic. I mean, we have thinking- it for the Gilmore guys and the uh, Outlander people and uh, Jason Gabassi from Walking Dead. So hopefully, hopefully it'll work out. That is cool. I've said it before. I love it when the good guys win. And Troy is definitely a good guy. You can find his show over at goldenspiralmedia.com. I know Troy is a good guy. Bernie even says he's happy to hear that Troy is getting to uh, go on the set of your favorite TV show. How cool is that? Well, before we get into some of the longer topics, I want to remind you that I need your opinion on a couple things by November 20th. That's coming up right around the corner. The first one is what will you be doing differently in 2018 with your podcast? Maybe you're doing something now and you're like, you know what? I'm going to do this in 2018. You're not doing it now, but you're going to you know, you know, you need to be doing it. Something's going to change. I would love to hear that. And then the last one is the last episode of the year, which this year will be on Christmas Day, December 25th. I do a special My Favorite Podcast Is episode. And this is where you simply answer the question, My Favorite Podcast Is blank. And what we're really looking into, if you, you tell us what it is, kind of what it's about, where we can find it, if you can remember that. And then why is it your favorite one? Because that's really what I'm looking for is why are you, what what's drawing you into that? So 
it would be something like, hi, my name is Mortimer Snerd. I'm from the Snerds Are Cool podcast at snerdpodcast.com. My favorite podcast is uh, Down With The Sickness. It's a podcast about the band Darkness, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You can find it at blah, blah, blah.com, yada, yada, yada. And it's really just that easy. Don't overthink it. And uh, you can email those to Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. Just record a quick MP3. Or if you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, there are other ways to contact me via SpeakPipe, via voicemail, things of that nature. I would like it in an audio format. It just sounds so much better coming from you than me. So I thank you in uh, in advance of that. I've already got a couple, and it's really cool. I've heard about some really interesting podcasts already. So that's always a fun thing to do, and uh, I appreciate you being involved. All right, today I want to talk about embracing the experience gap. And you're like, what? Because when podcasters first start, I know it's a good thing to put a lot of thought into planning your podcast. A lot of people like to put a lot of, a lot of effort into the launch, sometimes a little too much. And, uh, you know, they get their show out there. It's in Apple Podcasts and the other directories. And then they do one thing that can really just knock the passion out of them. And that is they start to compare themselves to others and they want to know how many downloads other shows are getting. And they start to focus on other podcasters instead of focusing on their audience. I was thinking back to uh, playing the guitar. I still play the guitar around the house, but I don't play in a band anymore. I started playing the guitar when I was 11 years old, more or less. I really tried when I was five, but my fingers weren't big enough. And uh, when I got done with school, I would deliver my papers on my paper route. I'd eat dinner and my friend would come over and we would just play guitars for hours. He also played. And we weren't really good because, well, we were 11. We weren't taking lessons. And uh, I learned to play by trying to recreate the sounds I heard on on albums. I basically play by ear. If I can hear something, I can usually kind of play it. So I would study music and then, well, as the old saying goes, practice, practice, practice until I could play it. And the music that was produced on that kind of path of getting it, it was not pretty. In fact, I have hours of tapes of me and my buddy Scott in the basement playing hours of Ted Nugent's Stranglehold with each of us taking turns soloing over the top. And that's right. I dug it out this weekend. Here is probably a 12, maybe 13-year-old Dave Jackson playing Stranglehold. All right, so far so good. This is just like the record. So far, so good. Oops. Oops. Searching for something in key. Oh, there's one. There we go. One and now just hit the root note. It's in A, so play in A. So, a little, uh... Yeah, so that's enough of that. And there's a word for this in the musician world. It's called woodshedding, mainly just going in and practice, practice, practice. And I would record these not to play them for other people because, well, they weren't very good, but so I could evaluate my process and see what, you know, if I was on key, if I wasn't, because sometimes, man, I was just doing it. You know, I'd work on my guitar faces, <laughs> but I never really intended to release these to the public. And you can do the same thing with your podcast. You can record a couple test shows for 
evaluation. But sometimes the progress is much slower than expected. And there's a, a certain kind of tone you can get on a guitar. My friend and I called them squeaks. How does he make his guitar squeak? And the technical term for this is it's an artificial harmonic. Now, this is back in the day. There was no internet. So I would go, I worked in a grocery store, which was great because on my break, I would go over to the magazine aisle and read all the guitar magazines for free. And I was reading, I believe, an article about Billy Gibbons, who's the guitar player from ZZ Top. And he was talking about, because he squeaks a lot. And he explained that this is done by hitting the string with your pick and your finger, like the side of the pick and your finger at the same time. And so I remember saying, oh, that sounds easy, I guess. How do you hit with the side? Okay. And I kept hitting this note and note and and I literally, it took me hours to get a squeak to come out. And eventually I got a couple to come out and now I can just squeal like a pig anytime I want. But I remember sitting there going, this isn't working. And just hitting that same note over and over and over, just side of the pick thing, trying to figure it out. I had no diagram. I had no YouTube to watch, but that was just, that's what woodshedding is. It's just working at your craft to get better. And it took hours, but I finally did it. And now I'm like a master of it, but that's something that I can't, there's no way I could learn that. I have to do it. It takes practice to do it. And I would go out and I would, I saw Ted Nugent every time he came to town. I've seen Ted Nugent probably 13 times, something like that. I uh, was a huge Ted Nugent fan, Van Halen, Ozzy Osbourne, all the hard rock guys with the guitar players. And I would study them. I once was on the 12th row of a Van Halen show and I still brought binoculars. I mean, I could see the zits on Eddie's face. It was amazing. Why? Because I wanted to steal every lick I could. And so how can podcasters get better? What does this have to do? Well, you can woodshed. You get better podcasting by podcasting. I know that sounds stupid, but there's no way to know if your content is good unless you get it in front of your target audience. You can also study other podcasts and also other entertainment. You see, podcasting is part of the entertainment industry. I know you might say, no, Dave, mine's more of an educational show, at which point I would go, oh, you mean like Sesame Street? That's an educational show, and it's pretty entertaining. And I recently watched a documentary on Steven Spielberg. It was on HBO, and it was interesting because Spielberg, who some might say one of the best directors ever, definitely in terms of uh, box office, he was turned down by uh, the college, USC, the USC film school, uh, due to his grades. But that didn't let him stop. He basically, I thought this was pretty interesting. He would take tours of Universal Studios, which had like this little bus. And when the bus stopped for a bathroom break, he would basically sneak away. Like he'd go to the bathroom and then instead of going into the bathroom, he'd go someplace else. And the bus would just leave him, which I always thought was rather interesting. And he would sneak away and he would watch people like Alfred Hitchcock direct. And then he'd get busted and thrown out. And he kind of knew that if he was going to be able to make any kind of films, he needed to make a film that studio executives would go, wow, this guy's got something special. So his one of his first films was called Amblin uh, from 1968. And it was basically geared to studio executives. He knew who the audience was there. And he basically made a film that got him hired. Now, as then one of the youngest directors under contract, because they gave him a contract for like seven movies or something like that. He did a lot of TV too. 
but he was a bit of a novelty item because he was so young. So he had to prove himself over and over and over. So just like Troy gets these opportunities, he was saying how when he did the thing where he flew to California to basically kind of host a fan um, like episode for the upcoming uh, season of the blacklist, he said he went back and reread like all the scripts. I mean, he was so just knowledgeable of that show. It was amazing because he knew he had an opportunity and he didn't want to blow it. So at the time there was this other famous director, Francis Ford, whoever, or, you know, somebody of that nature came up to Steven and said, there's going to be days when you walk on the stat on the, on the movie set and you're not going to have a clue what you're doing. And your job is to make sure that nobody on the set knows that you have no idea what you're doing. And then they were interviewing uh, Richard Dreyfus because if you're not familiar with Steven Spielberg, he did the movie Jaws, uh, Close Encounters, Schindler's List. He's done a ton. But Richard Dreyfus was in Jaws, which is one of his first big movies. And Richard says when he was hired, he said they didn't have a script and they didn't have a shark. So how'd you like to get involved with that project? So I point this out to say sometimes you just got to start and pick things up along the way. And so he actually, Steven Spielberg said, I don't want to do this movie about people on the ocean killing sharks in like a movie studio with like a big pool in the back of a, you know, lot of some sort. He wanted to do it on the ocean. He said, Oh, I later found out about these things called currents. And the fact that I was reading up on this, it was actually in Martha's vineyard, which is this like hoity toity part of, I think off of New York. I'm not really sure. And uh, there was some sort of like parade of boats that day that kept getting in the shot and things like that. And so what's interesting, this is it's a movie about a shark eating people and the shark doesn't actually appear until one hour and 21 minutes into the two hour film. And this was partly due to the fact that they had these mechanical sharks that, well, uh, didn't work. Oh, yeah. And they cost two hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So what they did was they shot the shark. They tied these barrels to it and they found another way to make their point. So how do you scare people with a shark? Well, these barrels, then you knew the shark was there. And then they added two notes, E and F. And all of a sudden you were crapping your pants because you knew the shark was coming. So again, sometimes if you don't have the equipment, you can still make your point. The sharks were smaller than expected. So they hired shorter actors. So if there were any scenes where a shark was, you know, coming up on a person or something like that, they wanted the shark to look huge. So they made the people smaller and the line, you're going to need a bigger boat. That was actually improvised. So sometimes planning things out is fine. You always want to have a plan, but sometimes some of the best things are just going to come off the top of your head. Jaws went on to be the first motion picture to gross more than a hundred million dollars and won three Academy Awards. Uh, for Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Dramatic Score. So for a movie that started off with a director that didn't really know what he was doing, they didn't have a shark, they didn't have a script, it actually ended up okay. So how did Steven Spielberg get better as a movie maker? Well, he he made more movies. He just kept making movies. In fact, since the time he was a teenager, he made movies. And uh, Jaws, however, had come in way over budget. And instead of taking 55 days to shoot, it took 159. So it's basically triple. And his next two films also came in way over budget. And this, again, actually kind of hurt him. People didn't want to, like studios didn't want to give him uh, movies because the guy couldn't come in on time or under budget. And that's kind of a deal breaker if you're somebody that is funding a movie. 
So what did he do? He had to learn from his mistakes. You know, he was making a lot of money at the box office, but his integrity was on the line. And so he learned those lessons from his first three movies and put them into his fourth movie. So as podcasters, we're storytellers. And the only way we can get better is to keep podcasting. And if you haven't checked out, I do another show with Eric K. Johnson from the Podcast Talent Show. This guy has 30 years in radio. And look, uh, I'm not an idiot. When I came across Eric, I was like, man, there's a lot I can do with this guy. And I want to work with him. And I've learned so much from working with him. And our last episode, we uh, reviewed a show called The Money Answer Show. And I think we can learn a lot about introducing, we're doing guests. You can do things like, here's one. If you're worried about a guest, and this is from Michael from the Solopreneur Hour, Michael O'Neill. I learned this from him. If you have a guest that is always saying the same stories over and over and over, oh, it's Dave and he's going to talk about whatever. Well, if you want me to not say that story, so let's say it's about the time when I stub my toe. Oh, Dave's going to talk about the stubbed his toe story again. Well, you can easily take that away from me by going, hey, here's Dave Jackson. He runs the school of podcasting. He once stubbed his toe on a microphone, yada, yada, yada. But later that toe came on to do something. I can't say that story now. You took it away from me. So if you're worried about somebody just pulling their strings, especially somebody who's promoting something, they just say the same things over and over and over. Eric taught me that if you have somebody who's gone off the rails and they're just you know, they're into full promotion mode or whatever, and and they're going in a direction that you don't want to go. You can say, hey, I I, I hate to interrupt you, but if I don't ask this now, you know, I'm probably going to forget it. So, uh, you know, what did, and, and then basically ask a question that gets them right on the right path. And in the latest show, Eric made a great point. The, uh, the guy we were reviewing asked the old, tell me a little bit about yourself. And that is such an open-ended question. That if somebody asked that to me, I could say, well, I was born in Akron, Ohio. I uh, once worked in a haunted schoolhouse. I uh, was a waiter in college to pay for school. That has nothing to do with what you brought me on the show for. And so when he did this, his guest went on to say all these things about him. He was rated one of the top blah, 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 New York Times bestselling person, yada, yada, yada. All these great achievements. And For me, I said, that should have been your introduction because you know your audience better than the guest knows your audience. So bring in those things that are relevant. Hey, here's this person. He wrote a book about the New York Times bestselling uh, author. This book, you'd probably really like it. It was one of my favorites. He's uh, done this. He's done that. He's uh, done the hokey pokey and he turned himself around. And that's why he's on the show today because we're going to talk about things, you know, because that's what it's all about. That's why he's on the show today. So welcome to the show, my guest. So your introduction should end with his name. And it's funny because I, I in our latest episode, and this is where in uh, a previous episode, I was talking about things that I've changed my mind on. And I understand that a lot of times we want to go, you know, first we always want to go, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, instead, why don't you ask a question that's pertinent to your audience? And get into the meat and potatoes because that's really going to sink in your your audience. They're like, oh, wow, we're, we're into the meat and potatoes already. Cool. 
I like this. Oh, I could use that. Oh, I didn't know that. This and that. And then at the end of it, and say, wow, you know what, uh, Steve, you've uh, you've really brought in a lot of uh, great information. I really appreciate that. How did you get into this? Maybe that's where you fly in that because now they've given you the gold. Now let's focus on the credibility. Because if you think about it, if somebody brings the gold and somebody goes, ooh, whoa, whoa I can't wait to try that. Hold on, I gotta, I, I gotta pull over and write this down. I'm gonna try that. I don't usually, unless it's way, way out there, and I go, yeah, this guy's full of caca, poo-poo. Usually it's like, ooh, I might have to try that. And, and part of that is because I trust the host. If I tr- let, let, let give an example. Uh, if Harry Duran interviews somebody, and this guy starts spouting something that sounds like, ooh, I might want to try that, I'm not going to question his uh, integrity because Harry brought him on. I trust Harry to bring on people who know what they're talking about. Now, if later, Harry wants to go, how did you get into this? So that's something that I think I'm going to change in the future. I don't think I'm going to start off with, how did you get into this? Because my audience doesn't really care about their story. My audience cares about what is this person going to bring to me that I can use in my podcast. And then later, towards the end, I'm going to give a very specific question to get their backstory. So again, kind of building on last week's episode, I think we all need to be open for ways that we can improve our show. So if you want to check that out, just go over to podcastreviewshow.com. It's uh, currently at the top of the page. If you want to be reviewed, go over to podcastreviewshow.com slash review me and just realize that I know we all want to just have a million downloads uh, by next week, if possible. But just like a musician, just like anybody in the entertainment industry, be it Steven Spielberg, be it Richard Dreyfus, be it whoever, Kelly Clarkson, uh, you know, we're all in the entertainment business. And that's going to probably take a little while to get to the top of wherever we're going. And that's where your passion really, really comes into play. So as we kind of wrap up this topic here, in the same way that Steven Spielberg, he didn't have all the equipment he wanted, but you can make great content without having the top of the line equipment. So if you don't have the best microphone ever, it's okay. You can start. And in the same way that he learned from every single movie to make the next movie better, you can learn from every single episode. You're going to get more confident. You're going to get different skills. You're going to find things, different ways to edit. You may determine that, you know what, I'm going to hire somebody to edit my show. But the only way to get better at any skill is to do it. And don't be distracted by other podcasters' success. Keep working to improve your own skills and keep woodshedding. Because about the time I thought I was a pretty good guitar player, I put on an album from a band called Alcatraz, and this guy named Ingve Malmsteen sounds like this. So let's face probably facts. I'm never going to be Inve Malmsteen, but I still like the guitar. I still enjoy playing it. It's a great stress reliever and uh, it's fun. So just because you may never be Ira Glass shouldn't stop you from starting a podcast, shouldn't stop you from having fun with friends, shouldn't help you by helping that one person. So many people think, 
about the group of people that are listening to your show. What if you could help just that one person? Would you do a show for that? I would. But that's me. You might be different. But the bottom line is you have to start. You have to start. And if you're worried about it sounding bad, do what musicians do. Woodshed a little bit. Record it for your own listening. Evaluate it, figuring out what's working, what's not working. And when you're ready, then release it to the world. As a podcaster, I think one of the biggest compliments you can receive is when someone says you are the same on the microphone as you are off the microphone. And I mentioned Harry Duran earlier, podcastjunkies.com. And a couple of weeks ago, he interviewed my co-host for Ask the Podcast Coach, which is a show I do every Saturday, 1030 Eastern Standard Time. Just go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. And he interviewed my co-host, Jim Collison, from TheAverageGuy.tv. And uh, this this almost made me cry when I was listening. He, he's just such a real guy. Uh, one of the things I appreciate about him, there's just nothing pretentious about him. Yeah. He's just a super real guy. And what you see is what you get. And and so it makes it a pleasure to really spend that time. You know, from a podcasting standpoint, if you can have a co-host, you got to have a co-host like that. You have, mm-hmm. a, have to have, you see eye to eye. We don't agree, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of things we don't agree on. We were two separate bubbles that kind of came together. And there's some things that this bubble says that's the gospel. And then I was in this bubble, and they say these things that are the gospel. And then you jam those together. And for the first hundred shows or so, there's times when I'm like, I, I don't agree with what you're saying, Dave. Yeah. I, I challenge him on things. And he would challenge me on things. I think that makes for good podcasting. So don't be afraid to be diverse, I guess. In, yeah. in, in, but you got to get along with your co-host for sure. That's really important. So that was very cool. And it was a great interview. It's The thing I like about this show is Harry is usually interviewing somebody that I know. And I learned more about that person than I do. Like I, did, I knew Jim was a geek and I knew he was, you know, kind of a technical background, but I learned more about him. There's also some, some great insight into the work wife, the work wife. Well, that actually kind of works. The work life balance, which sometimes can be work wife balance when you think about it. And speaking of that, I'm going to call an audible. I went to the big podcast conference in Nashville, Tennessee last weekend And one of the things that I pulled out of that conference is one of those things that's not really like mind boggling. It's so true. And yet it's one of those things that I think is overlooked. And that is, I usually say to do a one minute podcast, you need to plan four minutes. And that is once you're a well-oiled machine. So if you're doing a 15 minute podcast or an hour long podcast, you need to put aside some hours of time. If you're going to be doing everything yourself and Rick from school of laughs.com, Rick Roberts said, yeah. So when you start a podcast, you need to determine what am I giving up? If your life has no margin in it, if you're book solid, something's going to go. So if you're a person that is, you're a small business owner and you're doing your own marketing and your own this and that. And plus you got to take the kids to soccer and that and the spouse and the whole nine yards. And you decide you're going to start a podcast. You need to figure out what's going to go. And so that might be a future question for us in the future. What did you give up? It's not now. Maybe that'll be January. So I'm going to write that down. But for me, 
Uh, and it's easy when you live in Cleveland, Ohio, and your team has only won like one game in the last 20 in terms of football. I gave up football. I don't watch football on Sundays. I, I occasionally, like right now as I'm recording this, I have it going on my second screen, but I'm really more focused right now on you. And I just gave up football. Now, for some people, that's crazy. And I get that. But you're probably going to have to give up something. And so you need to think about that as you move forward. But I want to point that out, that um, to go back to the original point, one of the best compliments you can get as a podcaster is to have somebody say, yeah, this guy's the same off the mic is on the mic. So keep that in mind as you go forward. All you have... Every podcaster starts off with these, and that is number one, absolutely no listeners, and number two, integrity. And the goal is to try to build listeners while keeping on to your integrity. All right, my last little piece that I'm going to chime in on, if you go to podcastingin6weeks.com, this is a course I'm going to be offering starting in January. So if you want to launch a podcast in January, you want a a little hand-holding along the way, you want a little live guidance, it's a group coaching class. We meet every Saturday for six weeks, and at the end of uh, February, we are going to take one week off in the middle of that because, well, it's uh, uh, PodFest happens in February, uh, February 8th through the 10th. So we're taking the 10th off, but we'll be meeting every week up into that. So at the end of February, you will have a podcast. If you're interested in that, go over to podcastingin6weeks.com. And this is my first venture into Squarespace. I've heard about Squarespace from every single podcast on the planet. And in hearing about it's just drag and drop easy. I'm here to tell you that, uh, especially if you've heard about page builders, there are things like the Divi theme, which I recommend. I like that theme. It's very, very flexible. The, that's the good news. The bad news is it's very, very flexible. I talked about the second line kind of themes for podcasters like those. That comes with a built-in page builder. And that, again, makes it very flexible, also creates a bit of a learning curve. And Squarespace talks about how easy it is. And we have two potential problems here. Number one, it may be that I've just used WordPress for so many years. I used to use Dreamweaver back in the day when I was designing websites from scratch. And maybe I'm just so used to WordPress that anything that's not WordPress, I don't like. But I will say this, the drag and drop easy, it is not. Now, it's not hard, but it reminded me a lot of these page builders where you will drag something in, like I could say, hey, drag a graphic in and then I pick how big it is and what it does and, and then drag a, a uh, you know, drag text over here and then I could drag this and that and it was okay, but much like these all-in-one systems, it always seems like I run into something like, oh, this is kind of cool. I would like to have an image at the top of my page and from the best of my knowledge, based on the theme that I chose, I can't. Now, they did make a generic kind of logo for me, but it was one where I was like, hmm, I'd rather have this image. And like every website, it's going to be a work in progress. Now, is it horrible? No, actually. And I believe if I had time, I could play with these other themes and maybe come up with something that's a little more what I'm looking for. This did not 
make me step back and go, wow, look what I did. Uh, I was kind of amazed that my page uh, background, for example, I wanted to change some of the backgrounds to maybe an off gray or something like that. And it was kind of like your page background is for the whole website, unless I'm missing something. So I was like, hmm, that's not going to really give me what I want. But I just needed a really basic website for podcasting in six weeks.com. So I thought, well, let's try Squarespace. The thing that I will not be using it for is if you use things like PayPal and Stripe, those are basically going to pull 3% of your fee and then probably some sort of like 30 cents per transaction, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And so I see where I can connect my website to Stripe and PayPal through Squarespace. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I go through and put in my logins, my passwords and the API key. And then I see that it says Squarespace is going to take 3%. And I'm like, well, I think they mean that Stripe and PayPal are going to take 3% because why would they take 3%? I'm already paying them $15 a month. And then I read it and it's like, they make you like double. Are you aware that Squarespace is going to take 3%? And I'm like, that's odd because aren't you just passing it over to Stripe who's already taking 3%? Nope, they're taking an additional 3%. And so I went, hmm, so I'm not using them for my processor. I'm still using Stripe. I'm just using my Acuity scheduling uh, people because they don't take 3%. They, you know, Stripe does. They take their percentage and that's okay. So that was one, if you're going to do e-commerce, and it's kind of weird because I now am sending people off my website to check out. And I'm not super crazy about that. But in this case, it is kind of a high ticket item. My uh, podcasting is six weeks. It comes with 12 hours of consulting, of group consulting. So that right there would be over $2,000. Plus you get a year at the School of Podcasting. That's $500. Plus you get, you know, the private Facebook group, the priority email support and all that. So right now the price is going to be $1,999, better known as two grand. But now, order now, of course, now through December 1st, get the early bird pricing, $1,499, and that starts in January. So if you want to see a Squarespace site, you can check that out. It It's a lot like, like I say, like any other system. Like, I was surprised by, on one hand, it's, it's flexible, and I guess this is, it depends on how you look at it. On one hand... I wasn't overwhelmed by the amount of choices, but on the other hand, I was kind of like, this is all I can do with it. And there's a lot of really cool things you can do. Trust me. It's, and maybe that's a good thing again, but for me, I really expected it to do more and be a little more flexible on what I could do with changing background colors. And and it's parts of it are very, very user-friendly. I should say that. But my overall impression, I thought really, you know, this might be something I use in the future. And I'm not. I, I think once this is over, we'll see how it goes. But uh, and I'm going to continue to play with it. If you haven't figured this out, when it comes to websites, it's always a work in progress. And so I haven't gone through all of their tutorials. I've gone through the ones that they've sent me. So there may be things here that I'm missing out on. And that's going to be the case with any kind of website. There's always going to be a learning curve with whatever theme you chose. But I just know. They build it as super easy, drag and drop, make beautiful websites. And I was like, super easy, no, drag and drop, yes. But it seemed like I would be at an element. So for instance, I would have all my text and I'd be in this and I would see all the options for that. 
but then I wanted the options for the website, not the little piece of text I was in. And I was constantly trying to figure out, hey, I've seen, it's almost like being in downtown. Have you ever been in any downtown anywhere? You know where you want to go. You just can't get there. And that's kind of how, and that may be the case for every kind of software, but I just know for me, I was like, hey, I just saw this a minute ago. Where's that box in the upper right-hand corner that I can click on and adjust the thing? And I'm clicking on everything and I cannot get that box to show up. So it's a little confusing. And I guess that's the case with any theme. So my point of this is if you think Squarespace sounds like the easiest thing ever, no, it's not. All right, one other quick little tip I'm going to give here. This is unfortunately just for PC people. If you know a way to do this on a Mac, feel free to go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact and let me know. But on a PC, for me, I have a folder for my podcasts, all of them, in a folder that I've creatively named podcasts. So in there, you'll see School of Podcasting, as the Podcast Coach, Podcast Rodeo Show, Podcast Review Show, and the other 57 podcasts that I do. When I go into a folder, I then have things like production folder, episodes, and I think what other ones. But what I want to do is like this one, I have a folder called 590 because this is episode number 590. And so I'm constantly looking for, like I'll put any kind of feedback, like the uh, clip from the Podcast Junkie Show, I have that in there. Everything that I'm doing in this show is in folder number 590. And so I'm constantly, used to be I'd go to the G drive, then the H drive, and the thing, and the double click, and the double click, and the double click. Oh, and there it is. Well, if you're constantly going back to that folder, on a Windows machine, you can right-click on the folder. So go to, like, uh, the file manager, I believe is what this is called, File Explorer. And right-click on the folder, and you'll see an option that says Pin to Quick Access, which is this kind of column on the left-hand side of the File Explorer, so you can jump right to that. And it's one of those things that I've kind of always known it was there, but now that I'm actually using it, it saves me. It, it's weird. It, it removes the stress, and who knew double-clicking four or five times was that stressful? I know that's kind of like a first-world problem, but it's nice to just go there and drag it into Alphonic or whatever I need to do. So if you're looking for an easy way to – and then when it's over uh, and the episode is done and you're ready for next week's, then you can simply right-click on the folder on the quick access area and say remove from quick access. Then you make your folder for next week's show put it into the quick access and you're ready to go. So it's just a quick little production tip for those on the PC. If you know a way to do this on the Mac, again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact and uh, let me know. But that's going to do it for this edition of the School of Podcasting. And I mentioned earlier the podcasting in six weeks course. You might go, Dave, that's a little out of my budget. That's fine. Simply go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. And that will save you on your first month at the School of Podcasting. There's no coupon right now for the podcasting in six weeks because it's just we've got the early bird going on right now. And for that, again, go to podcastinginsixweeks.com. So earlier we heard a 13-year-old Dave Jackson playing Stranglehold. And if you're wondering, yes, the Ingve Malmsteen is 100% illegal. Look at me being a rebel. 
But uh, so if anybody wonders, hey, is it free to know that music I played was absolutely illegal? And I do that uh, because I like to dance on uh, thin ice on occasion. So I don't think Ingve is going to sue me. That is my choice. I do not recommend that you do this. I'm doing it because I'm feeling rather courageous today. So uh, and I don't I have no idea if this karaoke thing is uh, legal or not. I'm, I'm basically getting it off of YouTube, which probably means it's illegal as well. So enjoy. You heard 13 year old Dave Jackson playing a little. Ted Nugent stranglehold earlier, and uh, by nobody's request, here's a 52-year-old Dave Jackson playing a little <laughs> Ted Nugent stranglehold via karaoke. If I only had this when I was 13, who knows what I would sound like now? So thanks so much for tuning in. I hope to see you on the inside. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care, and God bless. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.